Welcome to the Just for a Change podcast, powered by the Bertha Center for Social Innovation and Entrepreneurship. First off, what you need to know about us is that solving big social issues by thinking outside the box is what makes us tick. We love offering new perspectives on social innovation and social justice, so we hope you'll be inspired to make a difference wherever you are. We're changing the way, we're changing the world. Welcome to the Just for a Change podcast with me, your host, Fergus Turner. Peace, not really a topic that naturally fits within the current global narrative. Just turn on the TV, radio, or open your newsfeed on your phone. It often feels so far out of reach when you think of the crime, corruption, and conspiracy theories, the natural disasters, political tension, and economic uncertainty. You've probably realized by now that we love talking about things that are hard and uncomfortable, not because our aim is to discourage or remind you of the challenges, but rather because we want to inspire change, be it in your way of thinking about the world or in the way you approach finding solutions. In light of this, we are delighted to share that this year the Bertha Center has partnered with Build Up, a global nonprofit and peacebuilding collective to organize and host the 2020 Build Peace Conference. The event will take place online from the 6th to the 8th of November. Build Up brings together practitioners, activists, academics, policymakers, artists, and technologists from around the world. Together, we will share experiences and insights on the challenges to peace in a digital era. Hosted under the theme of social justice and pandemic in the digital age, the conference will also be a platform to showcase peacebuilding innovations that address these challenges. So, why did the Bertha Center partner with Build Up to host this conference? Well, we found that we share a way of looking at the world and at our work with a multidisciplinary lens and a global sensibility, while our focus in terms of projects remain local. We have a common interest in strengthening the ties between those that are passionate about peacebuilding and those that focus on social justice work. Then there's also the fact that both Build Up and Bertha Center love creating cohorts, convening across sectors and connecting the local South African context of peacebuilding and social justice with global insights, learning and new technologies. The Build Up team brings together diverse skills, mediation, negotiation, facilitation, peace building, marketing, media, filmmaking, and more. They use digital technologies to build peace, supporting peace innovators across the globe, working with local organizations to design and implement technology interventions for peace building processes that address divisions in society. To support the work, Build Up also develops policy and research around the uses of digital technology for peace delivers online and in-person training courses and hosts a global community of practice around peace and technology. In light of the diversity that the global Bold Peace Conference community represents, we decided to ask some of the speakers to greet us in their mother tongue. Hi, my name is Eloa and I was born in Brazil. I'm so thrilled and excited to share dance as a metaphor and an exercise to build peace. It's so easy to dance when life is going well and we feel safe, right? At the same time, when there's tension, 
it is pretty hard to move. So anyone experiencing disconnection in stressful situations is very encouraged to tune in for an experience of moving those rigid muscles and dancing of all things in times of conflict. Nos vemos lá. Hello, everyone. Um, my names are Kola Wale Bolahon Cornelius. Um, it's quite a long one, but you can just call me Kola and I'm, I'm good with that. I'm Nigerian, um, studying um, for a postgraduate um, degree in music at the um, University of Cape Town. Um, as a performer on this um, conference or project, so you can expect this fusion of like sounds written specifically for different poems that articulate um, different aspects of um, society. Um, we've got a unique uh, sound to to share. Hello, everybody. My name is Mapapa Chilombo. My artist name is Brother F. You some of my music at the Build Peace 2020. I am a singer-songwriter based in Cape Town, originally from the Congo DR, and um, I speak Swahili and Chiluba and French. I also sing in them. What am I sharing again? Music for compassion. Pamoja Hakuna Matata. We thought it the perfect opportunity to unpack some of the themes of discussion that you can look forward to at this year's conference. So today we are chatting to Nadisa Nkwanyeni from the Bertha Center, Elena Puch Laraudi from Build Up, as well as a representative from the Bertha Scholarship Community, Merhawi Okpaselasi, who is also a member of this year's System Justice Labs. The external factors associated with the pandemic, such as misinformation and the associated response, for example, increased digital surveillance, are likely to be long-lasting. The fact that the pandemic is happening in a digital age has been amplifying socioeconomic inequalities and is raising a set of particular social justice issues. This year's Bold Peace Conference will focus on these social justice issues and the coronavirus pandemic in the digital age as it plays out across three sub-themes, namely identity polarization, urban space, and surveillance capitalism. If that sounds like French to you, don't worry. With our knowledgeable guests, we'll dive deeper into what exactly these themes suggest in just a moment. Good afternoon. So happy to have on the line with us Nadisa, Elena, and Merhawi speaking about Build Peace 2020, and in particular, exploring some of the themes and what they mean to us as individuals and in the context of the broader social spaces we find ourselves apart. To get going, Elena, I'd like to ask you to kickstart this conversation by sharing a little bit more about what Bold Peace means to you as a founding director of Bold Up and, of course, a key protagonist in the conference as it's grown from strength to strength. So thanks, Fergus, for having me here this morning. And um, it's really nice to be able to reflect on, on that question. Um, I think you know that Build Up actually came out of the first Build Peace conference, um, which was not meant to be a conference at all. We were invited to run a small workshop at MIT 
Um, and it quickly snowballed into um, into a conference, um, kind of went out of our hands. And I think maybe that's what Build Peace means to me. Um, it's now, um, it's been running since 2014. So this will be uh, the seventh edition of the conference. And I feel like it's a um, snowballing conversation about what it means to build peace in a digital era. And it has morphed and changed and uh, completely um, left any control of the curators every year and over the years. So it feels more like an ongoing conversation over seven years with um, some people remaining the same, some people changing, different scenarios, different inputs, um, and different perspectives on what it means to build peace. And with that in mind, uh, given that very recently um, we made the decision to host this conference entirely online, what does that mean for delegates? What does that mean in reflection to this uh, thought around geography and location? And finally, if you could maybe share for delegates or would-be delegates who are interested in tuning in, in registering for the conference that is now entirely online, uh, reflecting on a little bit about what that means for the global community and what that means for 2021, just so that everybody listening in is aware of our thinking as we start to move deeper into this conversation. So, I mean, I, you know, I think that there was a great interest from the Build Up team and, and from the Build Peace uh, community, I would say, in, in hosting this conversation um, in Philippi Village, in Cape Town and in South Africa. Um, and of course, we have lost some of that. Um, but it's interesting because I think that, um, you know, if ever there was a year when it was going to be relevant to have a conversation purely online, then it's 2020 because the online landscape is so critical to everything that we're living through in 2020. It's defining how we're experiencing the pandemic. And in my view, it's defining some of the, of the particular conflict drivers that we are seeing in 2020. So I think that we're bringing the conversation into an online landscape and that also is interesting. The other thing I would say is that, Fergus, as you and I have discussed, we still very much want this conference to be rooted in uh, the South African experience and the experience of, of Cape Town in particular. Um, and that will continue and is evident in the programming that we have conducted. Um, and finally, um, our, uh, our strong hope and our intention is for the conference in 2021 to in fact physically take place in Philippi Village and in Cape Town. And I think it's interesting because um, we've never had um, the conference take place in, in the same location, even if it's not actually fully taking place in that location this year, uh, but with the same kind of routing two years in a row. So I'm also interested in how that conversation is going to develop um, and, uh, and what it will be like to be in, uh, in Cape Town in 2021. Thank you. So moving on to a little bit more about how this connects to Bertha Centre's um, interest and sensibility in the context of social justice work, um, given the crises of the current day. Adisa, welcome and thank you for being with us. If you won't mind um, sharing a little more about what Build Peace and what working with Build Up now in the present sense, but also possibly in the future means to you, to the systems justice team and to Bertha Centre as a whole. Thanks, Fergus. Um, and thank you for that question. You know, I was really itching to jump in when Helena was speaking about uh, what 
Bill Peace means uh, to her, because as you were talking and talking the evolution um, of, of um, I'll say the space, um, you know, I had this image of a tumbleweed, right? This tumbleweed that just kind of goes, and, and I love tumbleweeds, by the way. Um, some people might think them um, <laughs> troublesome um, <laughs> things, but I love them. But I had this, this, this sense of a tumbleweed that goes, and as it goes, it releases certain things and picks up certain things. But the things that drives it is the wind, right? And I really love this notion of, and, and in your, um, in your speaking, I mean, the wind was clearly positioned as that question of what might uh, building peace look like? What might it look like to build peace? So, um, and just as a person, I, I want to be part of that. Um, so it was wonderful, actually, um, when, you know, you, you and Fergus started communicating around us potentially partnering in on this, um, because what you've described as well is just... Um, uh, in this tumbleweed, there's just this kind of this responsiveness to a need, um, and it's an allowing of a momentum to 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 follow and be driven to being responsive to this need. Um, and you know, at at Bertha's Center, there's um, we're aligned in the sense that you know, when we were set up, and this might have been covered earlier on, the intention was to. Um, was to kind of um, influence how future leaders, um, civil society, community members, how people became implicated um, in this work of uh, changing systems, changing the social systems that we're in, addressing specifically a structural injustice. And um, as the systems team, and we started off as a systems team growing in one direction and the social justice team growing in another direction. And what happened is that the systems team, systems team kind of focused a lot on capacity building and kind of approached it from perhaps, a, a, well, not solely, but it could be said from a head perspective. Social justice was very much kind of on the ground interfacing, right? Um, and at some point, very quickly into very quickly into both portfolios evolving, we recognized that the two, social justice and systems thinking, systems change, uh, innovating at systems tipping points, these two are actually kin. Thank you for that um, descriptive sense of what we mean by systems justice. And um, really, I want to walk over to Mirhawi. Uh, welcome and thank you for being with us uh, today. Mirhawi and I happen to have first met as Bertha Scholars back in 2015. And Merhawi has joined us from the perspective of the urban space theme as part of the conference and also the urban space learning cohort or systems justice lab. With that in mind, Merhawi, if, if, if you don't mind letting us know a little bit about your interest in so much as the systems lens uh, contributes towards your work, your professional and personal journey in your work as far as urban space, geospatial violence, and social justice are concerned. Thank you, Fergus. Um, in terms of specifically around my work uh, um, in, within the urban space, um, so I've been working in the urban development space for the last 15 years. Um, the first, um, I guess, the first 14 years um, I've worked from the bottom up 
um, I've worked for organizations like Slam Dwarfs International. So I've worked for um, with informal settlement uh, communities across the continent. And and what I've always observed and experienced and and work with you know different actors is just the you know the the fragility, the pockets of fragility that that we see across across the urban landscape, like urban space, you know, in the South, but particularly in, in everywhere in, in, in the continent. And even in South Africa, if you, you can see the, you know, the, the exclusion and the injustice within the urban, the, the, the special injustice within the urban context. Um, and now I have, um, have, I have transitioned into working for an organization that still, um, from a private sector point of view, uh, provides advisory services at a policy and, and institutional consulting um, um, level. So I think for me, when when you when you approached me and we had our initial conversation, I was already grappling with with connecting my experience, grounded experience of seeing a lot of um, exclusions and challenges, particularly around the former settlement slums in, in our continent. I mean, in our world, and then now looking at this from from the from a policy institutional uh, perspective. Thank you for that. So, Mirhawi, I want to go. Um, I want to ask a follow up around um, if you can give an example, uh, one or two, an example from your experience, an example of the way that digital technologies um, play a role in influencing the organization. Uh, and of course, the conflict around open space. Um, I think, like, just to start from, you know, like, there's a link between, you know, the vulnerabilities and the fragilities that the pandemic exposed, and then the the digital divide. So, I think first, just to start, you know, by reflecting on how the the COVID pandemic actually exposed the urban fragility and the need for building urban resilience, um, and. And we're as, as the cities are as strong as their weakest link. So if we have a lot of uh, millions of people living, you know, excluded in, in the urban peripheries and pockets of fragile spaces, then we we will not be achieve a fragile, uh, sorry, a resilient um, city. Um, so I think, and and also the pandemic also exposed. Um, besides, you know, the lack of basic services and and people. Um, who used to work in the informal economy, not, not being able to, um, you know, earn a living. Um, I think during during the pandemic, um, a lot of us, including myself, were fortunate enough to continue working, you, you know, like to continue with uh, with our jobs and earning. And, but a lot of people didn't don't have that access, and so there's that lack lack um, lack of access to technology. So I think that. Just kind of like the pandemic actually exposed that, um, and I see this initiative like from City of Cape Town, for example, to invest significantly in in their um, in their broadband network um, to to make it inclusive. So I think the divide and the lack of access to technology in in, in the urban peripheries of City of Cape Town kind of made that more urgent. So. I th- and, and obviously, I think like the technology in in, in Africa, we have a very youthful, um, you know, population. Um, 
who we can use technology to leapfrog um, to improve our governance, like urban governance. So yeah, I think the, there's a big divide, and and the, and the pandemic exposed like the digital divide. But um, I think it, it, it also like just um, puts a lot of urgency on on, on the government, citizens, and, and all of us to to speed up the you know to to make sure that technology becomes inclusive. And uh, it is the case that build peace as a platform intends to be a call uh, for participation and for sharing of social innovators, change makers, peace builders, social justice workers and activists across the continent and globally to connect some of those learnings, insights and solutions that have come to the fore, especially during this time, as you've pointed out. I want to pass this on to Nadisa to sort of a reflection from you uh, in your experience as project lead as portfolio lead with the systems justice team at the Bertha Center in connection, in correspondence with some of our partners, with some of the people that we are working with, how has that insight that Mirhawi points out been reflected from some of the working partners with the systems justice team, that insight around this time of pandemic, helping to highlight some of the fragilities, but also point to uh, more urgency around applying a systems change lens to social justice and peace building issues? Uh, I guess what we kind of hold true to within our systems justice team, as well as the people that we work with, um, is an appreciation that in order for um, for the way things are to change, in order for access to be opened up or shared um, with um, those who might not have access to the technological um, opportunities that Mihari was speaking about, in order for that to happen, there are parts of the system that are going to have to let go of things that are going to be really uncomfortable to let go of. You know, there's having to be letting go of how I engage with power. Um, if, for example, I'm um, a, 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 an actor in the system that holds a lot of power, for example. Um, it's having to perhaps potentially let go of how I make sense of um, or position uh, people who are um, in the system. So, for example, um, uh, you know, from the center of Cape Town, I might see people who are on the peripheries of Cape Town um, as only capable or only able to fulfill specific roles um, only um, um, possessing certain levels of agency. Um, that's not true, right? That's something I need to let go of. Um, and and I guess what we're kind of ruminating about and um, or ruminating on is how do we take this time um, or how can this time contribute to really um, destabilizing the patterns that endure and cause the system that needs to change to endure. Um, so that's something we've been kind of in grappling with, uh, I think, in, our, in how we um, think about the stuff and also in how we teach. How do we, yeah, initiate that unlearning that will help and um, advance the, the, the systemic unlearning that needs to happen in order 
for um, us to move to more kind of just, more harmonious, more peaceful systems, um, less um, less fragile systems. We 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 um, we make a distinction between a system that is resilient and adaptive, and a system that is resilient and brittle. Um, and um, and and what I think many of the social systems that we're in are quite brittle systems. They're very resilient, right? But but if we don't take the intel and the communication that we are getting from the pandemic right now around these issues, and 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 put that information in service to letting go of those, you know, really intractable bits that keep our system in place, then we continue to operate in a brittle system and we are looking and, and, and we're passing up on the opportunity. Oh, no, I don't, I don't like to use that word because it sounds dismissive of a lot of um, uh, a lot of the struggle that this time has 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 brought. But um, we're we are passing up on something to turn this hard time into gold. <laughs> I'd like to suggest I'd like to suggest the word invitation. I like that word. I'll I'll second that suggestion. On that note of invitation, I would like to highlight um, another theme of the Bull Peace Conference, uh, something that um, really involves all of us, which is the way that identity may polarize and exacerbate conflicts and difficulties in all times, but particularly during times of great crisis and uncertainty. With that in mind, Elena, just sort of unpacking a little bit more specifically, what does identity polarization mean to you in the context of these times and, of course, in connection to Build Peace as a platform to unpack it? One of the things that I've been paying a lot of attention to um, is whether social media in particular, so that particular aspect of digital technology, is a conducive environment for constructive identity, identities to be expressed and formed. Um, and I think it's difficult. It's a really difficult question. Um, social media is fundamentally a surveillance capitalist enterprise, um, by which I mean that um, it's, it's an enterprise that is built on the commodification of personal data for profit, right? Um, and it does that by, um, essentially, it, it, it needs to extract our, our, our attention in order to extract our data, right? That's what social media is built to do. And that means that it, it has two dynamics that affect how we express identity, um, one is that uh, polarizing content, content that requires you to take a position with your identity, um, and extracts attention very effectively. Basically, it captures our attentions very well. Um, and so that promulgates on social media um, much more effectively. The algorithms are built to promulgate that. They're built to, to pull you down a rabbit hole that actually polarizes your identity. Um, and the second thing is that um, profiling and using data in order to target messaging um, is, is a very effective way to construct um, identities uh, that, that construct belonging by exclusion, by dehumanizing, right? And these two things feed off of each other. So you have people who are utilizing the profiling to put out um, identity formation messages that are about excluding, and you have an algorithm that is that is promulgating that further. Um, and, and, and so I think 
you know, social media, in fact, um, is is contributing to the polarization of identity. In closing, I'd like to invite one by one, Mirhawi, Medisa, and finally Elena, to share how they hope you to bring your gift and what they hope to gift to you and many other delegates and contributors at the conference. Mirhawi, over to you. <clears throat> so I think, yeah, we've we've unpacked, you know, a lot of the systemic problems and issues um, but, um, ur- in the urban space from my perspective. But in t- like just, yeah, I think um, there are also solutions. And I think for me, those solutions would come from from all of us coming together, the whole society approach, you know, instead of uh, either waiting for government or for um, particular groups or individuals or, or organizations that have that power that Medisa has deferred to. So I think for me, yeah, um, just to extend your, yeah, just to echo your, your invitation, um, we, this kind of space, um, to reflect on this kind of big issues is really important. I think as um, individuals, you know, we carry our stories with us, we carry our values with us, we carry our intentions, our deliberations, as well as like our operational competencies. And I think in bringing that into a space that's um, um, in service to this question, how might we build peace? Um, you are bringing all of that into the space and contributing all of that into the space. And I think what the space is offering as well is just this beautiful interface between um, others, others who are like-minded, who are pursuing this question very intently. Um, And I think, and I'm now speaking from, and also carry (laughs) the intel of how to transform the systems that they're in. And I think maybe just building off of both of what what you just said, and particularly uh, Nadisa, what you just said about transformation. You know, I think build peace has been for me and for many who have participated a space of transformation. And what I've learned over the years is that transformation um, requires one many elements, but one uh, element that we often don't speak about, and that's imagination. Um, so I guess the gift that I ask that you bring is your imagination, because it is through your imagination that you can imagine why somebody would be called into a white supremacist ideology, even if that's the furthest from you that you could possibly currently imagine. And it's through the imagination that you can understand um, what it takes to transform and to cross that bridge. And with that, I'd suggest a slight shift to our usual slogan, changing the way we're imagining the world. Hi, this is Simni Kwekwanga, and I work on the youth development portfolio for the Bertha Center. I'm so excited to be chatting to Annalise Jackson in this episode's Positive Outlook segment. Annalise Jackson is the Associate Director at Mary Hawk Center for Reconciliation and Executive Director at Unconventional International in New York. She is part of the Build Peace community and is involved in various peace-building initiatives, including the Unconventional International, an organization connecting young women peace builders with a community of peers and with the spaces and tools necessary to foster their growth and well-being. 
Annalisa, welcome to the Just for a Change podcast. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. I'd like to dive right in and talk to you about the impact that Build Peace and the Build Peace community has had in your life. When did you attend your first Build Peace conference? And what was your first experience at the conference? Hello, Simnikiwa. So great to be with you today. Um, Yes, my first uh, Build Peace conference was last year, 2019. Uh, I attended the conference in San Diego. That's so exciting. I'm such a fan of your work and find the holistic approach to well-being and creating spaces for support and leadership to young women so valuable. Also, the work you involved in to advance peace and reconciliation at Mary Hawk Center is equally important. So in the context of Build Peace, could you share a bit more with us on this work? Thank you. Yes. Yeah. So as, as you mentioned, uh, I'm based in New York City. Uh, my work involves both uh, my work as the associate director with the Mary Hoke Center for Reconciliation, which is a center at the Carter School for Peace and Conflict Resolution at George Mason University. And I'm also the executive director of Unconventional International, which is a growing network of young women working together to create a community and spaces that foster well-being and leadership development for young women working for peace and justice. Um, And this space was really born out of friendship. Uh, It was born out of a lot of friendships where young women were resonating with different kinds of pain points and challenges that we've experienced in our work and in our experiences, uh, really leading from a place that is passion and mission driven but finding that so often there's isolation and burnout that comes in these spaces. Um, There can be lack of support, uh, both uh, from the organizations and the institutions and wider structures that we're experiencing. Uh, So within Unconventional, we're creating spaces of reimagining what this place could look like, what this world could look like if we were able to lead from a place of abundance and lead uh, from a place of of flourishing. And so we're looking at ways to, to build that. I'd love to share a little bit about how the Build Peace Conference played a role in my in my own journey and uh, my experience there. Um, when uh, when I went to Build Peace last year, I was so encouraged. I think the the whole conference uh, was really a breath of fresh air for me, coming from the New York and DC peace building world, where it's very policy focused, um, often a little bit uh, a little bit more. Um, structured or rigid than I like. I'm often the person in the room who's inviting people to explore movement or explore dance or uh, or stretching during the during during the conference break times. And uh, being part of the Build Peace Conference, I just found myself all, all of a sudden in a room with a lot of like-minded people um, and found that the space was refreshingly creative. It was refreshingly um, movement-oriented and embodied. Uh, so many of the sessions involved actual movement throughout the sessions. Um, we we had an experience where we were actually crossing the border physically uh, between the U.S. and Mexico. Um, and there was sessions also that, that featured yoga or that spotlighted um, mindfulness or well-being of peace builders. Um, so as a whole, it was it was certainly an, a refreshing and encouraging space for me to be in as someone who was thinking about a lot of these ideas and at the early stages of launching Unconventional um, together with, uh, with a few of my friends and colleagues. Thank you, Annalise. I like how you 
make reference to some of the challenges and pain points that um, you highlighted in the work that you, you've been involved in and also being part of um, the Build Peace Conferences. And clearly, um, this has impacted your personal and professional journey. Um, I also would like to get a sense of um, what area would you say really in your professional and your personal journey stands out in attending these Build Peace Conferences? Uh, one thing that really stood out to me from the Build Peace Conference was that it was primarily led by young people or younger people than most of the conferences that I had been attending um, in, in New York and D.C., as I mentioned. Um, and to me, there is something so encouraging about the resonance that comes when when people gather and they start sharing ideas, whether it's in sessions or a lot of times in the in-between session spaces where we're uh, getting a coffee or going for a walk. And I think that uh, when we're in spaces where we can normalize some of the challenges that we're seeing or some of the pain points that we see in the in the field or in the world that we're working in, uh, we realize we're not alone in the things that we're seeing. We realize we're not alone in the challenges that we're experiencing. And so being in a place like the Build Peace Conference, I personally was able to resonate with some of these challenges with other conference participants, as well as, um, yeah, just in it resonating with a lot of the sessions uh, that, that took place there. Um, and so I, I think there was, there was certainly um, ish, wider issues that were addressed during the during the sessions that stood out to me. But I think most of all, it was uh, through the personal friendships and relationships that I built during the conference that I was able to deepen some of the ideas that I had been working on or thinking about and really draw out some of those ideas that um, that I'd been reflecting on, saying them out loud to someone who's at the conference and hearing them resonate with it and, um, and realizing that there there might be more here. There's something further to lean into as um, as we're going forward. You mentioned earlier the power of reimagining possibilities. Can you share a little bit about how this has been part of your work and how this might have been encouraged by the platform of Build Peace? I think when we come together, oftentimes uh, we are bringing in a lot of our own experiences or our own stories um, into a space. Uh, but when we meet together, we're able to share more about this and resonate with one another. And I think that uh, so much of reimagining happens when we start realizing that things that we've been imagining might resonate or harmonize with things that other people are imagining. Um, and I think that that's actually a critical piece in movement building. Um, and I've I've really discovered that in my own work with launching Unconventional, um, finding that the work that, or finding that that some of the areas of of challenge or pain that I was seeing or experiencing resonated with other young women in our field. Um, it it inspired me to to lean into those questions a little bit more, um, to lean into what could we do to reimagine a world where we're leading from a place of abundance or we're uh, leading in a way that is centering uh, friendship or it's centering the well-being of people who work for peace and justice. Um, and so being part of the Build Peace Conference, I think, for, came at a, at a beautiful time in my own journey in that reimagination process. So I was able to share some ideas with other people at the conference and, and be inspired um, to continue on that journey. Um, but also 
was inspired by the the gathering itself and by seeing that collective uh, reimagination that was happening in a gathering with a lot of young people who had fresh ideas about what it looks like to build peace and justice in our world um, and seeing how so much of the culture shifting or movement building does happen and it starts from a place of being gathered together in one space. Well, Anneliese, thank you so much. Um, this was such an amazing conversation and thank you for taking the time um, to share your insights and uh, your experience. We believe that the Bold Peace community is defining new peace building pathways, enhancing citizen participation in peace by means of technology and creativity. Past conferences have served as catalysts for new projects and partnerships thanks to the great discussions and networking opportunities. As I wrap up this episode, I really want to encourage you to book your ticket for this year's event so that you too can be part of this incredibly necessary peace building movement. Your voice counts. Please do check the show notes for the link to all the conference information that you need. Thank you for tuning in to Just For A Change powered by the Bertha Center for Social Innovation and Entrepreneurship, the podcast where we offer new perspectives on social innovation and social justice. If you're curious about solving social issues in your community or believe we can make a positive, tangible difference in the world, then make sure you subscribe so that you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Also, remember to have a look at the show notes if you're interested in finding out more about the Bertha Center for Social Innovation and Entrepreneurship, changing the way we're imagining the world. <laughs>